Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Matthew tells us then that now, verse 1, Jesus is led up by the Spirit. Notice that. The Spirit who descended on our Savior leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yes, the Son of God is tempted by the devil. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. None of us is perfect. We've all succumbed to temptation and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, except our Lord Jesus Christ. Today on The Verdict, we'll learn from the sinless Son of God as He's tempted by Satan. How does our Lord respond to the strategies of the devil? And how can we follow His example? Here's Pastor John Monroe with a message titled, Temptation. Have you ever been tempted? Of course you have. Have you ever succumbed to temptation? Of course you have. Have you ever met anyone who never yielded to temptation? Of course you haven't, because all of us have sinned. Yet today we'll learn of the temptation of our Lord Jesus, who was tempted and did not sin. Our current series is primarily about the Sermon on the Mount, but we haven't yet come to the teaching of Jesus. Before doing that, Matthew in his Gospel wants us to understand who Jesus is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the King. He is the anointed Messiah of God. Now, after his baptism, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's learn more about the Lord as he faces the enemy. Let me ask you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're continuing our series in Matthew, and today we're looking at the first 11 verses of Matthew 4. It's a wonderful passage, uh, one that I love, showing the victory of our Lord over the devil. Matthew 4, 4 then, verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The devil is not yet destroyed, but he is defeated. Here the Son of God defeats the God of this world. However, the devil's ultimate future is certain. Jesus said that the eternal fire, hell itself, is prepared for the devil and his angels. 
And we know from the book of Revelation that the devil ultimately will be thrown into the lake of fire and will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It's very reassuring, isn't it? Because that means that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Christ, if you are united with Christ, you are on the winning side. John tells us in 1 John 4, verse 4, he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. So this is a very encouraging passage for us. It shows the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it also reminds us that we too can resist our enemy when he attacks us. Yes, you can resist the devil. James says that explicitly. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In James 4 verse 7, the next verse from James, which tells us, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Yes, if you live a godly life, if you draw near to God, and when the devil comes and when temptation comes, when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Every single person here faces temptation. That I guarantee. I don't know what particular temptations come into your life, but you are tempted. How can we respond? How can we defeat the devil? What about our sinful, evil desires? In this passage, we see our magnificent Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, defeating the devil. And as we see him in action, we learn how we who follow him, we who are united with our Lord Jesus Christ, are able to resist our enemy. Now, before we consider the specific temptations, the three of them that I've read, I want first to remind us of the uniqueness of our Lord. This is very, very important. There is none like him, nor will there ever be anyone like him. So I want us first of all to think again of the sinlessness of the Son of God as we see it here. Jesus is tempted by the devil. Last time we dealt with Matthew, we saw Lord Jesus Christ being baptized. And the heavens opened and the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit descends on our Savior. And Matthew tells us then that now, verse 1, Jesus is led up by the Spirit. Notice that. The Spirit who descended on our Savior leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yes, the Son of God is tempted by the devil. Adam was tempted in a perfect garden, the Garden of Eden. Our Lord Jesus is tempted in a hostile environment in the wilderness, a place of loneliness, a place of danger, a place where there were wild animals, Mark tells us in his account in Mark chapter one. Adam in the Garden of Eden, when he was tempted, failed the test. Our Lord Jesus Christ meets the test as he is tempted by the devil, not in a garden, but in the wilderness. The temptation we read in verse two lasted 40 days and 40 nights. In scripture, 40 is the number of testing. The Israelites were 40 years in the wilderness. Elijah fasted for 40 days. Goliath taunted the army of Israel for 40 days. And these verses here, Recall the time Moses received the tablets of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy 9, verse 9, here is the scripture. 
Moses is saying, when I went up the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord made with you, I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water before Moses received the Ten Commandments. Our Lord Jesus is about to give the greatest sermon ever preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And before he does that, he's in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights being tempted. Notice how our enemy is described here. In verse 1, he's called the devil. In verse 3, he's called the tempter. In verse 10, he's called Satan, which means our adversary. He is the accuser. He's the deceiver. He specializes in slander and divisions and accusations. Jesus describes him elsewhere as the father of lies. So when he comes to you, why are you listening to him? Why do you believe his promises when he says, this is going to help you? You're going to enjoy this. Why don't you do this? He's a father of lies. Jesus also said he is a murderer from the beginning. We've seen that. We saw how earlier in Matthew's gospel, how Satan uses King Herod to try and kill the infant Jesus. Now Satan is trying to divert our Savior from fulfilling his mission. But Matthew, in this passage, is reminding us of the uniqueness of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is, the, he is God incarnate. He is the Son of God. Matthew has already told us of his unique conception. In chapter 1, verse 23, a virgin shall conceive. So that Jesus enters this world differently from everyone else, conceived of a virgin. He enters the world guiltless of any sin. We are born in sin. Uh, through our first parents, we inherit this sinful nature, not so our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father has already said, this is my son, my well-beloved, in whom I am well pleased. He is the sinless Savior. Matthew has told us he's Emmanuel, God with us, chapter 1, verse 23. And as God incarnate, God incarnate, what does that mean? That means that Jesus is truly God and he's truly man. He is the man, Christ Jesus. Unique, none like him. And because he is God incarnate, he has two natures, two perfect natures. He has a human nature, he's truly man. He has a divine nature, he's truly God. And his divine nature and his human nature exist united in one person. Oh, there's only one person of the Lord Jesus Christ. One person, one unique person with two perfect natures, a divine nature, fully God. A human nature, truly man. We call that, for those of you who like theology, we call that the hypostatic union. So when you go home and someone says, what was, what was Monroe preaching about today? You can say the hypostatic union. That sounds very profound, doesn't it? And it is profound. It is mysterious, as it were, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. When people saw him, it is God with us. And as they see him, they see a perfect man, 
truly human, truly divine, in the blessed one person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? It's very important because the human nature of our Lord Jesus Christ, his human will, never acted independently of his divine will, of his divine nature. Jesus said, as only he could say, I always do the things that please the Father. Do you always do the things that please God? Of course you don't. Every single person from Adam right down the human race to our Lord Jesus Christ, every single person, every man, woman, boy, and child has come short, has failed. But Jesus said uniquely, he always, always did the things that pleased his Father. Now James tells us in James 1 that God cannot be tempted with evil. So the divine nature of Jesus, he's God, he could not sin. God can't sin, obviously. And therefore, the human nature wouldn't sin. So the writer of Hebrews says, he's holy, he's innocent, he's unstained, he is separated from sinners. So what's happening here when Jesus is being tempted by Satan? Was God's eternal plan of salvation in jeopardy when Jesus is being tempted? Uh, could that eternal plan of our Lord, of God the Father, which he devised from all of eternity, that his son would come into this world to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us? Was that uh, balancing on the brink so that our Lord Jesus Christ could have failed could have succumbed to the temptation of the enemy? Absolutely not. Our Lord Jesus Christ is appointed from all of eternity as the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. Now Adam, think of Adam. Adam was made perfect, wasn't he? He lived in a perfect garden. And as the perfect man, Adam was able not to sin. Ah, but he chose to sin. Our Lord Jesus not only was able not to sin, he was not able to sin. That is, not only did Jesus not sin, he could not sin because he is God incarnate. And so on one occasion, our Lord said in John chapter 14, the ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me. There was nothing in our Lord Jesus Christ which could respond to sin. That is, here's another theological word, we believe in the impeccability of our Lord Jesus Christ. You look at our Lord Jesus and he is impeccable. I could select at random any one of you and bring you up here, and within the space of a minute or two, I could demonstrate that you are not impeccable. Certainly if your husband or wife were here to point out your faults, your friends, your colleagues, they would quickly say, he's a good person, we like him, he's my friend, but on such and such occasion, he did this. She said that, he thought this. Our Lord Jesus Christ, after all of the examination of his life, by the devil, by the demons, by the religious establishment, by the Romans, by his critics, none of them could find fault in him. 
Satan himself comes and has to leave because of the impeccability of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now someone says, John, wait a minute. But does that mean that the temptation in the wilderness was unreal? Not at all. It was very real. An invincible army may still be attacked. See, when you and I are tempted, uh, we succumb to the temptation. Oscar Wilde said, I can deal with everything but temptation. You get rid of it by succumbing to it. But think of this. The Bible says that our Savior in every respect has been tempted as we have yet without sin. In fact, think of this. Jesus faced temptation in a way that none of us have ever experienced because we all succumb to temptation. I don't mean we succumb to every temptation, but all of us have sinned. But however strong the temptation, our Lord resists that temptation. It is a tree that stands in the hurricane that feels the full force of the hurricane. The tree that collapses doesn't feel the full force. It can't stand the full force. It is the tree that stands in the storm that is the strongest. And our sinless Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, as hell itself, as darkness itself, as the devil himself tries in these threefold temptations to attack our Lord Jesus Christ, he stands supreme. There is none like him nor will there ever be like him. Do you understand why we who follow Jesus love him? He is the sinless Savior. Now, at the temptation then, we see the sinlessness of the Son of God, but we also see his strategy. What is his strategy when he's tempted? Well, he quotes Scripture. And the wonderful thing is that although we're not God, we can use the same strategy. Look again at verse one. Jesus is led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He's tempted in the wilderness. I was thinking about that. Do you ever think it would be a nice, it'd be nice if there was some place you could escape to to get away from temptation? In the history of the church, some have thought that. We'll, we'll go to a monastery, we'll go to a high hill, we'll go to a remote place, we'll, we'll go to the desert. We'll withdraw from the evil world. We'll kind of live in a little ecclesiastical bubble, a kind of a Christian bubble, and keep out all the bad things. That's not possible. The devil is in the wilderness. And wherever you go, you can never escape temptation. You will never escape temptation by going to a particular place, by trying to cut yourself off from evil. Just doesn't work. And here our Lord Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Now look at the first temptation, verse three. Notice his description, the tempter. Can you see him? He comes and says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Adam is tempted by fruit, we read in, in Genesis 3, which was pleasing to the eyes. The devil tempts Jesus in terms of his very real hungry. Jesus is hungry. Now, eating bread isn't sinful, but Jesus never uses his miraculous powers in a self-serving way. When Israel was hungry in the wilderness, what did God do? Supplied bread from heaven, manna. The food of angels dropped from heaven to earth. Oh, God the Father is well able to supply bread for his son. But how does Jesus respond? He quotes Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, which was written to Israel. You've got to understand that we don't live by bread alone. Yes, it is true. We need bread to, to live. It's true that we need food. But we don't live by that alone. Our lives are not just on the physical sense, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's the second temptation? Well, the devil, verse 5, takes our Lord to the holy city, Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. If you're the son of God, God will catch you. Isn't that written in scripture? Find it surprising that the devil knows the Bible? He does. And he's referring to Psalm 91, which is a wonderful psalm. He's quoting, in fact, Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Listen to it in Psalm 91. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Something the devil leaves out. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. He doesn't include the, ver the words at the end of verse 11 in Psalm 91, in all your ways. And notice the Lord's perfect response in verse 7. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The scripture says, devil, don't put the Lord God to the test. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled, temptation. We'll continue with part two tomorrow. And of course, you can always catch up online by going to our website at theverdict.org. And as a special addition to this series, we're offering a helpful companion resource that gets to the very heart of Christian living. It's a booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom, and it deals with what it means to follow Christ as taught by Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks to his followers about how to live our lives each day. And right now, you can request a free copy of Life in the Kingdom by visiting our website at theverdict.org. And if you haven't signed up for John's monthly email newsletter, be sure to do that today. Just click on the sign up button on our homepage. And if these lessons and resources have helped you in your walk of faith, would you consider helping other listeners by supporting The Verdict's gospel outreach with a donation of any amount? By helping us cover the cost to produce and distribute these biblical messages, you can play an important part in sharing the gospel with new listeners across the globe. Please give whatever amount you feel led to by visiting theverdict.org or give us a call at 833-551-2231. 
And before we get to John's closing remarks, let me remind you that you can get each of these daily messages downloaded automatically through our podcast. Just search your favorite podcast app for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and choose subscribe. Now, here's John. Well, what's your verdict? Are you praising God for His perfect Son? If Jesus is going to die for our sins in God's perfect plan of salvation, He must be sinless. And in this passage, the sinlessness of the Son of God is presented. When you are tempted by our enemy, look to the sinless Savior. There is none like Him, nor will there ever be anyone like Him. Next time, we'll look a little further at the strategy that Jesus adopts as He's tempted, and we will learn important lessons in resisting the devil. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.